All right, heads on straight now. Okay, you ready? Ready. All right. So one of the things we love about Mockingbird is the community, both virtual and in the flesh. Stephanie and I became acquainted with each other, as CJ just said, um, through our articles on the blog actually well before we ever met in person. Um, and over time, we found we had quite a bit in common. Our kids terrified us. <laughs> True. <laughs> we thought things like marriage and motherhood would fulfill all our deepest desires. They did not. We had both paid a lot of money to various mental health practitioners over the years. And yet we still weren't what you'd call paragons of mindfulness and stability. Both our lives had taken sharp turns, like some of those old wooden roller coasters, rickety and spraying sparks all the while. Over the years, Charlotte and I have grown so much from our friendship. We've really got it all figured out now. We're basically like Saint Anne, patron saint of mothers. More like Saint Barbara, Stephanie. Saint Barbara? Patron saint of explosives. I love it when she corrects me. Speaking of explosives, that's kind of what God has been doing to both of our lives. Blowing them up. In small ways. In big ways. But we suspect we're not alone. That there are other burn victims in this very room. We may even light our own life bombs from time to time. That's called sin. Write it down. We see you, burn victim. We are you. Throughout our friendship, Charlotte and I have leaned on each other, comforted each other, held each other up, and pointed each other to the source of our true satisfaction. Chardonnay. Word. <laughs> Today, we wanted to bring you into the fold, into our colorful and sympathetic, and oftentimes very desperate conversation. Our lifeboat, if you will. We want you to know you are not alone. That it's possible, possible to be lost and found all in the same stroke. And since we currently live across the world from each other, most of our conversation takes place over an app that probably none of you have ever heard of called Voxer. We basically leave voice messages to each other like a walkie-talkie throughout the day. So settle in. Welcome, Voxer. sleepless in Seattle. All right. Charlotte, did you hear the news? Apparently, Amelia Earhart's bones have been found. That's right. Only 80 years later, some bones that were originally found in 1941 on a Pacific island, four years after her disappearance, 
are almost certain to have been hers. By the way, they were originally thought to have been a man's. Some dude scientist in Fiji thought they were another dude's, which sounds like a bunch of mansplaining if you ask me. Anyway, if they are hers, and now they even have dude scientists saying so, it means she would have been a castaway on this island after crashing, then died there probably of starvation. I have some issues with this. Number one, you know Amelia wasn't a mom because if she had been, her kids would have found her way before it got to the point of there being bones involved. They would have been looking around all, you know what, we haven't watched mom pee in a while. And their dad would have been like, good point, I'm also pretty hungry. And before you knew it, she would have been interrupted from her Pacific nightmare slash break and brought right home. Okay, but you know her midsection looked tight there towards the end. Oh yeah, like Brittany Abs pre-meltdown. I just Googled it. She definitely didn't have kids, which to your point, absolutely explains why she was never found. Oddly enough, that gives me a healthy dose of perspective on motherhood. Were I to disappear, I have offspring who would come looking for me, which is awesome. And also take your time, know what I mean? Was she married? Yeah, but the guy had her declared dead only like a year and a half after she disappeared. Then he remarried four months after that. Okay, wait. Is it just me or does a year and a half seem like a pretty reasonable amount of time for her to still be alive? We're talking about a capable lady here. It's not like Kim Kardashian crashed on an island and could only survive by eating her own hair extensions. <laughs> Amelia Earhart is like a middle-class American Xena. Xena. Xena stranded on an island? Cakewalk. You'd think she'd probably have thought through an emergency survival scenario before the flight, you know? And of course, her husband of all people would know just how resourceful she was. So why didn't he keep looking? Hear me out here. Maybe this was his big break. Wait, what are you saying? It was his out. Did she even want to give global circumnavigation a second go? Maybe after the first time she was like, meh, I'm good. The first debacle was an omen. But her husband is over there, sneaking a peek at some okay-looking lady walking by, all, no, you should totally do it. And this time, you should really cover more ocean. Okay, I feel like you're taking this a little personally. Are you worried Alex is gonna off you or something? Not necessarily. But I've been thinking about something lately and it's really gotten under my skin. So here it is. I'm needed by everyone around me, right? My kids need me for everything. My friends need me for outside entertainment and such. But I'm pretty sure they're all just locked into hanging out with me at this point. And in actuality, I've been driving them all a little crazy. And honestly, I don't even think Alex needs me at all. That guy could literally get by with just a cabin and a stack of comic books. So for the most part, excluding Alex, obviously, I feel exhaustively needed but I don't very often feel wanted. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you remember the total high of being picked when you were younger in all sorts of ways? That slumber party invite you didn't expect or landing the lead in the school musical or when you were young and in love and couldn't wait to see each other. I mean, Jason could have picked any girl, but he chose you, he wanted you. It goes to your head, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I think you could say that about any dating scenario. I mean, have you ever held your head or chest so high as when someone wanted to date you? I thought there must have been something near immortal about me that Jason or anyone would choose me. I think the best part was that we wanted each other equally. We matched, so we got married, happily. And that's when it became challenging to like each other. The glow wears off and gives way to laziness, apathy, finances, open drawers and gaping cabinets. Okay, what about the wet, mildewed laundry that never gets moved to the dryer because someone forgot he put it in there in the first place? Or the long days at home and the hours of work, as in career? As in, are we working to live or living to work? Ugh, the work. And now, it doesn't feel like there is a choice so much as a vow involved sometimes. Yeah, like we made a promise to still be there at the end of the day, so here we are. Romantic. Okay, here's the worst part, though. Everyone talks about how you get married and then you realize your spouse isn't perfect. He leaves his socks on the floor and clips his toenails in bed, blah, blah, blah. I mean, clutch your pearls, ladies, not socks. But I found the opposite to be true, okay? I got married and realized I was the most selfish, needy, narcissistic, entitled, dissatisfied person since Elon Musk. <laughs> Before I got married, I really thought the whole goddess thing would hold up. But marriage is like a mirror, yo. And the thing staring back at me, she ain't no goddess. Look, socks are a big deal to some of us, okay? But yeah. For the first few years of marriage, I was pretty sold on both Jason and myself being good people. Maybe even until we had kids. Then I saw both of our flaws. I think I like to focus on his more. <laughs> There's only a limited amount of time for discussion, and if we run short on time, we don't get to my stuff. Which is not very gracious. Which is what keeps being revealed about me, my lack of grace. Yet we stay together. We keep picking each other by not leaving. There's something in there, spiritually speaking. I mean, there must be. God loves marriage. Maybe it's something about the chosenness. Yeah, like God chooses us, workaholic, alcoholic, mirror, mildewed laundry, and all. And he chooses us already knowing that we are not immortal. We are anything but immortal. Especially you. And he didn't even have the honeymoon period with us. He knew we were a circus from the outset. Yeah, there were no surprises about our personal hygiene or our really dark habits. He knew who we actually were. Ugh, I know. I'm reminded of this awful humanity. Every time I take my gym clothes out of the washer and they still smell like spin class. Which means I stink at the outset of working out. There's a metaphor. Oh, I'm reminded of my humanity all day, every day. Making lunches, talking to teachers, wiping butts, cleaning the kitchen, writing the grocery list, you name it. And then there are my own needs. A hot bath, Spanx, a bottle of wine, a moment of silence without hearing my name, mommy being screamed like it's a substitute for call 911. <laughs> Come to think of it, global circumnavigation in a rickety crop duster doesn't sound like such a bad idea. As far as I can tell, the actual state of my heart is rancid gym clothes. And yet, apparently, God still wants me and chooses me. Come to think of it, Alex is still here too. It's curious. It's weirdly romantic. Even though it looks like a freaking jungle most days. 
like the wilderness, like Israelites in Exodus following Moses with blisters on their feet all. What is up with that dude with a staff and who put him in charge? I assume Moses is God in this comparison. Sure, or anyone who's currently pissing me off and usurping my authority. But yeah, mostly God and our husbands and our kids. Okay, can we talk about them for a second? Mine are like so cute. True, but mine are freaking adorable. I love them so much. I love mine like so much. And they are slowly killing me. I am at this point basically an extra on The Walking Dead. Talk, talk about finding out who you really are. Selfish, needy, narcissistic, entitled, dissatisfied. Elon Musk. Wait, are we talking about the kids or us? It goes both ways, doesn't it? But we're not alone. Yeah, we have people who would come looking for us if we ever pulled an Amelia Earhart. Can you imagine how lonely it must have been to be a castaway, alone and missing like that for so long? I can and I can't. Either way, it's heartbreaking. Dude, I could not sleep last night with all our talk of disappearing women. Tell me about it. I could swear James overheard our conversation. When I was putting the boys to bed, he said to me, please don't ever disappear, Mommy. Ripped my heart in two. And of course I promised I never would. Like we can even make guarantees like that. Earmuffs, James. But I mean, look at our pilot in question. It's not like you can only disappear by choosing to. That said, when it comes to disappearing explorers, I think I'd prefer to see myself as, say, a Moana more than an Amelia. Are we still talking about Moana? Is there ever not a good time to talk about Moana? Now that you mention it, I think I prefer Moana too. She chose to vanish, and temporarily. She didn't die at the end of her journey. Also, just look at the two of them. You are such a Moana. Ugh, so are you. I mean, RIP Amelia and all. By the way, did I tell you that our local cinema has these sing-alongs of Disney movies and we went to the Moana one last weekend? It was as wonderful and awful as it sounds. We went with some friends and their kids and while our kids were losing their minds over the movie, the adults commiserated over how our weekend mornings have changed. Former life, sleep in, go to a boozy brunch. Current life, Moana sing-along. Right, former life, spontaneous. Current life, Netflix. Here's the thing, our kids were belting out these Moana songs and so were we and it was chaotic and crazy and just such a pure kind of fun. And I thought, we're making memories here with these ding-dongs who can't even get the words right. This is actually what beauty looks like. A pitchy mess. A pitchy, earnest, heart all in it mess. So one of the most awesome and unexpected parts of having kids, to me at least, is that the simplest and stupidest things can all of a sudden turn totally magical, like a Disney sing-along, for instance. Like, I get nearly weepy every Sunday afternoon when we take the kids on a stroll along the bay, which, by the way, is right out our front door. Once we walk over the bridge, the kids hop out of the stroller and run and chase pigeons and zigzag every which way. There are boats and paddleboarders and giggles and skinned knees, and this is our neighborhood. Sometimes we go to pick up cupcakes for a snack, and other times we just walk and zigzag. 
And it's kind of odd for me to admit that it's things like Sunday afternoon strolls, more than even the boozy brunches or adult nights out, that sort of seem divinely breathed. I feel the same way about our backyard. We have this view of a harbor, and sometimes I see my kids playing against that backdrop with the sun setting behind them, and I can barely breathe at the beauty of it. Like, God, you're just showing off now. I mean, there was never a view like that in my 20s. And if there was, I would have missed it anyway, focused instead on some terrible dude and hoping he would ask me out. It's like our super mature 20-something glasses came off and all of a sudden colors are brighter. We notice things like the wind and the sunset and even wine tastes better. It's kid glasses. The other morning in the car, Will said, we make the world bigger. On the one hand, I was like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and on the other, I was like, truer words have never been spoken, you little backseat Buddha. <laughs> I feel like I might be a little back and forth on the kids thing. Is that just me? Oh, you are not alone. You are not alone. Back and forth about procreating is putting it lightly. I'd say something closer to an axed pendulum or a razor blade seesaw. Sometimes it's a fairy tale, and sometimes I want to disappear. Come to think of it, maybe we're more like the village crazy ladies than the exotic, intrepid explorer. So at the Moana sing-along, this one line stuck out to me that I hadn't really noticed before in the hundred other times I've seen it. Maui describes the idea of wayfinding as knowing where you are by knowing where you've been. I'm sending you the text so you can really marinate. Looks like an awareness slogan for VD. <laughs> it also reminds me of the Israelites. Think about it. The Israelites were like constantly freaking out, right? They were all, we're going to stone Moses for bringing us out here to die. And what does God say to them time and time again? What he says to his people throughout the whole Bible. Remember what I did for you. Right, like... Hey, Charlotte, remember how I brought you through that weird depressive episode when you were pregnant with Margot? Yeah, or hey, Stephanie, remember how you had the most explosive gastrointestinal episode ever, yet made it to Hamilton and your Mockingbird talk? We really get each other. Hmm. Remember, knowing where you're going by knowing where you've been. Which doesn't look so much like knowing the exact path forward as it does remembering what's already happened and that God brought you through, fought for you so many times before. I love that idea, remember, because it gives me hope in the now, you know? When for whatever struggle today is brought, things are not going well, I can trust that God is here, like, really with me. Yeah, it's like being lost and found at the same time. Not so much once lost, now found but both all at once. So much of the Christian life is a paradox, man. Speaking of paradox, I think we're starting to answer the need versus want thing. I kind of even think there's a beauty in needing instead of wanting each other. Like, we don't always want God, but we need him. Yeah, and even when we don't want other people, I guess we need them too. Hmm, relationships. Sometimes I think I'd rather be adrift, but I'm being cynical. We were obviously created to need relationships. I mean, look at you and I. When we consecutively got booted from uh, our cushy southern lives out west, we needed each other to help make sense of it all. And then we wrote a book together. At the time, I couldn't have written my own book, and you definitely couldn't have written your own book. Right, you think I wouldn't have preferred to be the star of my very own manuscript? 
You're such a Mariah. This is not Glitter Stephanie. <laughs> Tell God your plans. But think about it. We never could have created what we did, for better or worse, without the other person. We needed each other to make sense of the whole journey, to make wine recommendations and sympathize over things like sunburns and nap time woes. Dude, you know how everyone says that Rose could have absolutely scooched over to make some room for Jack on that floating door? I totally would have scooched for you. Uh, I would have scooched for you too. That's why needing each other is kind of cool. Just like our kids need us and our husbands need us and our friends need us, even if it is just out of habit or for comic relief or to feel better about their own lives, even if we drive them crazy, we need all of them too. Yeah, maybe being in need isn't such a bad thing. Like if I didn't constantly need God for the most basic crap, I'd for sure think I could get by on my own. It's like being thirsty or hungry. When I'm hungry, I know where I can get satisfied at the Chick-fil-A drive-thru. When it's 6.30 in the morning and I don't know how I'm going to survive the day because my whole body hurts, I know the only way forward is on my knees. Hey, maybe that's all God wanted from the beginning, for us to be with him. And he knew the only way we would come around would be if we needed him. Sometimes I'm so dissatisfied with everything around me that I wonder if God actually created me at my most base level just to need and to also not be fully satisfied by anything but himself. And maybe we're all wired that way. Maybe that needing can turn into wanting. Okay, don't stone me, but I suddenly don't feel all that bad for Amelia. I mean, what you're saying hits home, that all God wants is to be with us. Like, he would be right there with us on that floating door in the freezing Atlantic. Whoa. Maybe God is the floating door. So deep, dude. You should start, ha you should start handing out tracks around your neighborhood for sure. My point is that maybe it didn't matter that Amelia didn't have kids and her husband didn't really look for her that hard. Even though she was in dire straits, God was with her. I know he was. Google? No, I just know. Because you can be lost and found all at the same time. It's yeah, possible. you're right. Maybe you can be lost at sea and still exactly where you're supposed to be. Exactly. I guess there's hope in the wilderness. Even when we're alone, we're not really alone. Right. Lost and found all at once. It all comes full circle, man. Ugh, we're so smart. Thank God we wrote a book. Oh, totally. <laughs> I wonder if we could get it optioned for a movie down the road. OMG, just imagine the trailer. I think we're onto something.
Oh, 